This is episode 37 of Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy, brought to you by Everything Cowboy. And this morning we've kind of posed the question talking about the newest song that's kind of sweeping the nation, Old Town Road by Lil Nas. And there's also a Billy Ray Cyrus remix out there as well. Yeah, I'm gonna take my horse to the Old Town Road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I'm gonna take my horse to the Old Town Road. I'm gonna ride. I got the horses in the back, horse stock is attached, head is mad at black, got the bushes black to match. So we thought there's no one better to bring in to talk about this topic than our very own producer, Kyla Brosert. She's also the morning gal on Craze 101.3 in Red Deer, so she does have a lot of experience dealing with new music, songs that blow up overnight. So we're going to bring her in, get her thoughts on why and how this song has blown up so fast in such a short amount of time. Kyla, can you hear us? Hey. You're on the air. We're recording the podcast where we want to talk about Old Town Road. Is it a country song or is it a rap oh, and roll song? Well, we're playing it on Craze. So it, it's like a, it's a popular music piece. It like literally took off. Like yeah, it's literally nuts. took off. Like and everybody's playing it. It's like a minute and 39 seconds long and I don't understand the concept behind it. It's oh, pretty good. No. It might be too country for you though. I don't know. I just don't understand why it's taking off. Like imagine it's Stampede. Like it's going to be stupid. Oh, it's going to be everywhere. And they're trying, they're trying to get that. There's one of the Stampede players on Twitter was trying to get it to be the song that they run into the field that hmm. before games so like it's this song's gonna blow out it's song of the summer already it's wow. cool that they mention bull riding in it and also wrangler boobies yeah <laughs> i have no idea i, I wish i did i, I played I, in ho- I had answers but i have none i played in a hockey tournament in banff last weekend and me and my buddy probably played it 200 times yeah i knew you were in banff you were dancing on a beer bottle that was in vermeer that was in vermeer that was a week earlier yeah yeah how drunk were you last night <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was I was interplanetary. Did you like the story yeah. today? The Snapchat yeah, you're story. Hot mess. <laughs> I was I'm done I'm done classes for the semester. I was game one of the playoffs. I had a good time. Wow. He took an edible. The dome was buzzing. He might have took what an edible in the tonight? parking lot. Round two. We're gonna go get milkshakes soon though. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. Okay, so we've talked to our first guest. We have our next one. We're dialing him up right now. Gonna have him on the line here soon. Music director extraordinaire and engineer. Sean Morton. Doesn't he do like explosions and stuff too? Yeah, pyrotechnician. He's what a dad. What does he do? He's a dad. Yeah. Of a real child. He's a dad. Hello. Oh, is this the real Sean Morton? Good afternoon, this Sean. Is, this is Wacy calling from Rock 92.9. You are the lucky winner in our flyaway contest. You have won yourself a trip to Tisdale, Saskatchewan. <laughs> Leaving Ooh, what, what? <laughs> this afternoon. In, What's uh, the Saskatchewan number? Do you not have Wacy's cell phone number? Yeah, he did. He called me. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, was, uh, uh, I just get a cheaper phone bill. Way cheaper. Like oh, I get, yeah. I get the same like phone bill out here. That's uh, for sixty bucks. That's like usually a hundred bucks out here. Cheap insurance, cheap phone. I don't have the insurance. Yeah. I just have the phone. Just Need the, the insurance. Phone. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. So Sean, topic we, of the day. Topic of the day is Old Town Road a country song or a what are they what are they calling a country trap or is it yeah, like, or like pop, pop music top forty or like is it what rap is? rhythm? And well, blues? that's kind of. That's kind of like a head-on question. Why don't we back up a little bit about the song in general, <laughs> if you have time? Oh, we got time. We got time. We got all the time you need, Sean. So that song, I had not heard it until a few days ago. And the reason I finally listened to it, yes, is because everybody, well, not everybody, but it popped up on Instagram a few times. People shared about it. And if I see somebody share a song on Instagram, I have to listen to it because if it's something I haven't heard of before, it could be a great song that I don't know. So I usually screenshot those and then I go back and listen to them. And I was ignoring that one because I was traveling. And then finally 
listened to it, you know, the start of it. it it's an interesting song. But then I read today that it broke a record for the most streams in one week. I think Drake had a song at 66 million and it did 80 million. <laughs> Whoa. I probably and had then 17 million myself. <laughs> it also hit shortest hot 100 number one since 1965. What? The short, so, like the shortest amount of time at, at number one? To get to number one. Oh, sure. So no, to get to, to number, number oh, okay, one. Okay, okay. Whoa. But the cool part about that is there's just some kid that made this like in He's like his 21 house. or 22 yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's a big Twitter guy. Kind of kind of relates to you guys in that somebody can just be at home creating something. And <laughs> <laughs> your podcast could go number one yet. There's still there's still hope, hope for you. Have, have you have you heard the Billy Ray Cyrus remix of it? That's the only one I listened oh, okay, to. Okay, perfect. Yeah. yeah. Wait, wait, wait. So wait. It, it was on the country charts and they took it off. Yeah, there was a big discussion about it. That la- this is why I asked what are we talking about because at the at the ACMs last weekend there was a big like uproar about it. Really, like how it should be included in country. Yeah, it was controversial. It. And yeah. then to add to the controversy, of course, people said, well, it was taken off not because of what type of song it was, but because of who was involved in it. And they're saying Ooh. that, you know, country music isn't inclusive and whatnot. So it got it got pretty good attention. But yeah. Dang. That's 2019 for you. Dang. It's a funny song in that, like, it's maybe has some country themes, but it's not by a country artist. There was a, it doesn't sound country either. I don't think. I don't think it's a country. Kind of does. Yeah, I guess so. The Billy Ray part does. But, yeah, yeah. It's a mixture though. Um, it's twenty nine. It's, it's cool though. You like it's a song, neat. a song like that. Like it's fastest song at number one ever. And, and it, it, it talks, yeah, it talks about Wrangler. It talks yeah. about bull riding and boobies and Gucci and Gucci cowboy hats. Yeah, like it starts off tech. deeming like kind of authentic and original, and then it just got my horses really, in the back. <laughs> it horse just drops is off attached. from there. Like, how exactly yeah, is exactly. the horse tack attached? Saddled up, ready to go. He's going ranching. Horses in the back. You, gotta, you don't have time to sit there. That's you're, true. you're cinched ranching. up. You're ready to go. Bail on. Favorite? There's a song from years ago by a band called Hot Apple Pie called Hillbillies. Oh, yes. Remember this. You remember it. Hillbillies love it in the hay. It's oh, yeah. I remember that one. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was it made it on CMT and whatnot, but I don't think that band was remotely country. I think they just did that as like for fun. Could have been. That one sounded accepted. more country though. Yeah. I just I still don't think this song is country. I think it's I think it's a rap it's, it's song. A top, it's a top forty song. Top exactly forty, like it, it yeah, yeah, it's not it doesn't yeah, fit I the agree. country genre. It the lyrics could be country, but the sound it doesn't sound like country. Just because you talk about horses and wranglers doesn't mean it's, it's country not a country song. song. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. And if it gets accepted as a country song, it's just another step to country being so washed down. Being being pop music. With, pretty much yeah. Anyways. Right. Well you, well, you even hear it like most of the top country hits nowadays are playing, they're playing on the highway and they're playing on hits one. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's crazy. But I think there's starting to be a pushback against that. And it's why I think it's why Chris Stapleton's very successful. And I think it's why artists like Cody Johnson. Mm-hmm. You know, Cody Johnson's huge in in Texas and in Houston. They just love. It's him only a matter. It's only a matter of time before he goes big. Kind like world. Like, I think he's getting close. Now. Yeah, like this. I, I heard like, him up here on the radio for the first time. But oh, nice. people are starting to see it's gone so far. When you look at like Luke Bryan, Sunshine, mm-hmm. Sunburn, whatever. There's every song he has, he just recycles lyrics or whatever. <laughs> sunstroke. You're guaranteed if it's a Luke Bryan song, he's talking about Dixie Cups in his song yeah. for sure, and some yeah. some form of tailgate in there too. So and a dirt road, so yeah, and a dirt are, road. They're starting to seek this authentic music, and you look at like a guy like Tyler Childers, Childers just yeah. takes off because it's it's very authentic, and you can just tell by listening to. Well, it. even like like guys like Coulter Wall, and even like I would say like like 
church is even like one of those guys who's hasn't like, gave gave into that the whole Nashville thing and like just doing it just for radio, right? Coulter Walls are a good example because that is a very traditional or mm-hmm. unconforming music, somewhat like Corblon, but he's mm-hmm. having good success. He's been mm-hmm. wait, so he sold the, his concert here. They're having him in the McEwen Ballroom. Then he sold that out, and then they moved it to the bigger like like concert venue at, at that call at the university and he sold that out too in a matter of days like he's he's huge oh well, especially mm-hmm. in western canada being he's from saskatchewan but mm-hmm. and he tweeted out a pretty cool thing the other day it's like there's a difference between country music yeah. and western music yeah old town road is definitely not a western song no can't oh, confirm far from it can't confirm <laughs> closer well, to a gospel song than a western song <laughs> <laughs> thanks for your uh, hot takes Hot Take Friday. That should be a new should be a new segment, Hot Takes with Sean. Yeah, we can do that. We'll get you on for a full show sometime too, Sean, but thanks Every for this. Friday. Happy to do it. Well, those are some uh, hot takes by Kyla and Sean. I like it. I like it, man. That's pretty cool thanks. what they have to say. Thanks to both Kyla and Sean for... I'm surprised with how educated Sean was on it all. Like, that, that was, blew he had me some away. Real, had some real stats. Yeah. He's a big... I, I didn't realize how big of an Instagram guy he is. Big Instagram, big Instagram guy. guy. Yeah. You know who else big Instagram guy? Jared Parsonage. Oh, yeah. Every PBR Canada thing that I put out, it's like he's like the... got the first, first like, eh? Yeah, yeah. He's the first liker. Thanks, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. Okay, so that's segment one. We've kind of rambled around on that one. So good luck with that, editing that one, Kyla. Thank you uh, for doing that. Thanks doing for being on the do. show as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Finally. Guessed. She voices it. Guess it. She's a total badass. Mm-hmm. Kyla Brozart. So thanks, Kyla. Thanks, Sean. Coming up next, our guest, Jason, Jason Davidson. Davidson. You're listening to episode 37 of Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacey. Our guest this week is the president and founder of 3D Bull Riding, the director of operations for PBR Canada, and a partner of Thunder Creek Professional Player Management, Jason Davidson. Jason, I don't know what else, like how else to introduce you here, but uh, you've done a lot of shit over the years, really, right? Like you've done a lot of cool stuff, and you've, uh, well, you know, well, in lieu, in lieu of the title cowboy shit, I guess Ted, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, you've done a lot of cowboy shit. <laughs> I want to get started right off the bat here. We've got our Eastern tour of the with the PBR Monster Energy Tour now in its fourth year. First, I want to go way back to the bullfighting days, go to the start of 3D bull riding. I want to know how we got to where we are now. Oh, wow, Teddy. Now you're going to date me here. Um, <laughs> well, I grew up on a ranch just west of Saskatoon here, a little town called Asquith. So I was always around livestock and my entire life. Like uh, we had horses before we had pedal bikes. So you know, it was just a way of life for us for as long as I can remember. And, and we always got to go into the, to the pro rodeo in Saskatoon in the, in the spring, they used to have it at the old exhibition grounds there. And that's where I watched Doug shaky Russell for the first time. And after that, Ryan Byrne, and it's just something I always, I really admired what they did. And it's something that I always wanted to do, but my parents sure didn't want me to, I know that. So then, you know, you graduate just like everybody from steer riding into, you always try your hand and some of the rodeo events and Davy Shields can attest that uh, the bareback riding wasn't, wasn't very good for my uh, future in rodeo. You know, once I graduated and moved away from home, I think it was within six months, I attended a bullfighting school that Ryan Byrne hosted in Wainwright and Scott Byrne was riding bulls at the time, the same school. So, you know, friendship started then and career started right then. We heard Scott Byrne didn't make his living at riding bulls. No, I made a living at making sure Scott could get on at the next one. Um, he was he was pretty good for a guy's career, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say you went to I don't I don't have the numbers in front of me, but you went to numerous Canadian finals rodeos, Calgary Stampede, like the biggest rodeos in Canada. One of the only Canadian bullfighters ever to be selected to the national finals rodeo. 
You had an illustrious bullfighting career as well. Well, it was everything I was focused on at the time. I wanted to be the best I could be, obviously. And in that business, you can't, you know, you can't try to be second best or you're in the wrong line of work. So, and correction on the NFR, I was an alternate. So that means I was the first loser. That was disappointing. I made the, back then, I don't know how the votes work now, but uh, you were voted on by the top 25 and then the top four vote getters were voted on again by the top 15. So... I got into the top four for four consecutive years and got the alternate position once. So it was a tremendous experience. It opened up my eyes to production. And to this day, it's an unbelievable event. It's run so well. And I, I took a lot of stuff away from those 10 days of being in Las Vegas. It was, I had the best seat in the house there. And now they have three bullfighters. So you would have been like, you would have been in at that point if they had three guys, correct? Would have been. Yeah. yeah. Over the bullfighting years and to the NFR and did you, so tell me about, did you meet Sean Davis there at some point? You would have had to have, is that kind of like how kind of the production things maybe got rolling or? Well, I I got to meet Sean. Yes, but I never, that was it. And that was the year I was there. I got to meet him. And um, after that, you just, you know, you just watch and learn. Um, You know, another, another guy I learned a lot from was, was uh, James Harper. I was fortunate enough to work, I think, four or five rodeos for him. And he rolls. It's just like a carnival going down the road with the Harper and Morgan crew. You just go from one event to the next. They did like 17 perfs in three weeks between Memphis, uh, Jonesboro, Arkansas. And geez, I can't remember some other other rodeo, maybe somewhere in Illinois. Anyway, you just one right after the other. And his son, Howard, he was always big on the openings and we were in indoor buildings. So we had control of the lights and, and whatnot. So I think between, you know, Sean Davis and, and Howard Harper, that's really where I learned, maybe not learned, but it was a long drive home from Memphis, Tennessee. I remember to come back here to the all-star rodeo that year. And I got thinking about, you know, life after bullfighting and producing rodeos at the time, you know, that's, the PBR wasn't, there was no such thing as the PBR. It was definitely in the initial stages back then. So it was all about rodeo back then. And that's definitely where my roots were. So how do we make rodeo better? And, you know, the PBR come to life and was born. And, and that's that's the path I took. Your first PBR event you produced, did you say Saskatoon last year was 20 years? No, I believe Saskatoon last year was about 18 years, Ted, okay. or 19 years. Okay. Yeah, I'd have to go back on that. But yeah, you're right. It was the very first event we produced. And that My wife been... and I, that was the team. The 3D bull riding team was Twyla and I. <laughs> and then Angie helped out too at some point, right? Angie Pegan? Oh, yeah, yeah. He was legal counsel, and yeah. <laughs> uh, everybody pitched in. You know, it was new. It was fun. Jim Kamart was my first call, I believe. He owned a company called Unreal Effects at the time, and we had just finished up at 96, 97 CFR. 97 CFR. I got That was my first CFR as a bullfighter for the rodeo side of it, being selected to go, and, and the openings were awesome. I just remember. With a lot of pushback from the fans, which I couldn't believe. You know, they just didn't want to see anything different. And Jim was trying to step outside the box and he was my first call. I told him he's got to come help me do the openings. And and that's all it was. We did the openings and then Jim was done. And then we just bucked bulls. Now, you know, we've come a long way since then. You know, the the whole operation and the whole performance is a production now. So. Oh, yeah. Did you say the first one was 98 or the or it had been 99, 2000? When was the I want to say 99 or 2000, Ted. I'd have to I'd really have to go back and look. Like I said, I just, you're dating me now, Ted. I don't like this. 
Well, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to find. I'm, you know, I'm a true journalist in in some days, so I need to know the real story. I know, Ted. You know what? I've probably been your biggest critic here the last ten years for sure, <laughs> and your biggest fan. True. So the first bull ride in there is in, in the SAS Tell Center, and it would have been a PBR Challenger Tour event at the time, or what, did they have that at the time, or what was it then? Yep, my very first PBR event there was uh, the the U.S. Smokeless tobacco challenger tour and i remember we had different formats it was 45 riders entered wow. each day with the 10-man championship round and i still to this day remember um i needed 90 entries i had 122 entries and there's a guy come from colorado as an alternate drove all the way up to get on there was no alternate spots nobody turned out back then everybody showed up 122 entries for for 90 spots a guy came from Colorado. You know, we had some great riders back in the day come through Saskatoon. Cody Custer rode in Saskatoon. Owen Washburn as a world champion. You know, and oh, obviously our Canadians: Rob Bell, Kelly Armstrong, uh, Austin Beasley, Robert Bowers. You know, big name guys like BJ Cramps, another one. You know, that was the first one. And now you've probably done if in twenty years, say you've probably averaged ten events a year at least. So you've done two hundred PBR productions by now at least. Sure. Good guess. Sounds about right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sure. <laughs> sure. A lot, you know, a lot. lot. We've, uh, it's been a, it's been a good run. And I think the what, Brinson's first or second year, Brinson come up to work with us. I did the math and that'd be five or six years ago. I, I did the math on it. And at that point we had put a million dollars in added prize money up in PBR and bull riding events in Canada, just mm-hmm. 3d bull riding alone. Mm-hmm. That's five years. What did we do last year? The Monster Energy Tour loans a hundred thousand plus year events. Yeah, you could say another hundred. Yeah. So we're probably at yeah, two million be, almost by now. We'd be pushing that two million by now for sure. Oh, yeah, and then this year with the the bonus, the fifty thousand dollar bonus for the Canadian champion. That's another huge step for PBR. We just announced the TSN is back for 32 weeks of programming, and the Monster. There's some cool stuff going on with the Monster Energy Tour up here right now. I'm glad you touched on that, Ted, because. I couldn't agree more. I think it is a great opportunity and a great time to be a bull rider in Canada. You know, these guys now, if they don't feel like leaving the country, they can make a legitimate living right here. You know, with how we changed the format in Saskatoon, I believe last year, and you can you can uh, chime in here, Ted, but I think legitimately couldn't 15 guys win the national title out of the 21 contestants? Oh, yeah, it went. It was the best race we've ever had, I think. As yeah. Far as that so, way, like it was you know, cool. and that's something, you know, when I, when I took over, you know, you're always trying to move that needle to make it better always. And, and when you quit trying that, you might as well find something else to do because somebody else is knocking on the door to, to do something better. And, you know, that format change, I thought it was, it was great. You know, it, it's got the, it gives you the feel of a real finals. You know, we had, you know, Jordan Hansen and due to injury, but Jordan, you know, he didn't get to enough events in the old format you know, he'd have been in and we probably would have had to make a phone call to a couple of guys to see if they wanted to come ride back when we brought 35 guys in. So I'm real happy with where we're at. You know, I think the entire team has done a good job, right? From Sean Gleason and Dave Cordovano down to our Canadian group. I think we've created something that's really got some teeth. And, you know, as you know, with the TSN audience growing and our social media numbers growing, Ted, that's all you can ask for right now. I totally agree. And I, I want to I want to go further off that. Is there anything uh, that we can talk about moving forward? Like what can we see in the next couple of years with the monster tour in Canada? Well, just growth, you know, and as, as, uh, as we continue to make our footprint in, in Eastern Canada, I think we're going to see sponsors, you know, sponsorship opportunities uh, grow. And that's what this, 
whole that's what this whole tour hinges on is partners and and the fans and like last year you know how awesome was it to sell out the nutrient event center for the first time you know first ticketed sellout and then this year you know we do again sold out month and a month before we even got there so you know that's exciting stuff and our audiences were up across the board you know that i guess that's just how we gauge it right ted we know that we're doing our jobs and we're entertaining because we're selling more tickets our television audience is growing and and slowly but surely we're we're attracting some sponsors you know two new sponsors this year ford and and shell Rotella. those are those are big companies and and great partners to have on our side i want to move into the hockey side of things now how did uh Wace, he's excited now. He woke up. He was passed out. <laughs> well, you know, I get to Wace. How many times did we run into each other at, at the Saddle Dome over the years? Oh God! You know, I think you were at every game I was at. Yeah, I was. Uh, I couldn't believe it. Like, every, yeah, look over and there's Jason watching the game too. It's like crazy. Number one fan right here. Number one Flames fan. No, that's good. Well, I'm not as much of a Flame fan yeah. as you are anymore. But hey, that's who fair. knows? July 1st, that might change. My, your boy Mike might come back or what? You know what? He's Mike's. Uh, Michael's an unrestricted free agent, July one. So uh, that means you know, thirty-one teams can take a stab at him. What kind of prep goes into that? Like for your July one stuff, like with your free agents, like how how much work do you have to do behind the scenes with that deal? Well, I watch a lot of the games. If I can't watch them live, like when I say live, I mean on TV. I record them all. And I'll try and I'll either watch them later that night or I'll watch the condensed version on my phone or, you know, with today's technology and and social media uh, avenues, it's if something good happens or bad happens, you can see it on Twitter or Instagram or wherever. So I follow all that very closely Um, and I keep notes every, you know, I've got game notes on probably 70 or 75 of Michael's games this year. Obviously this playoff is real important too, but I think the demand, you see the demand when it comes to the trade deadline and there was a lot of teams probably a month prior to the deadline. Mike's name was, was out there a lot. And um, you see that, you know, when you got Nick Kiprios and Drager and, and Elliot Friedman texting and calling, you know, that something's up. So I think it was great for Mike to, to have the opportunity to stay in Carolina and what a great story it's been for, for that group there. And we got to wait here till June 25th, obviously Carolina can sign Michael at any time, but the rest of the teams, we got to wait till the 25th of June before we can start talking to them. And then on July 1st, he's, he's able to make his deal wherever he feels is the best fit, uh, fit for him and his family. Well, I want to go back to before, like we kind of mentioned, we mentioned at the beginning that you're a partner for Thunder Creek professional player management, but you are an agent, but how, how did that begin? How did you get into that? I, I'm curious about the beginnings there. Well, it was by it was complete accident. It really was. Uh, when I retired from Fighting Bulls, I had a number of really good partners endorsements. At that time, Matt Roy was kind of the phenom in bull riding. You know, as for a guy that never, ever went and rodeoed in the CPRA, he cleaned up at the time, the professional Canadian bull riders, the PCB, we called it. And I mean, cleaned up. I think he had years where he was 60 plus thousand riding at $2,500 and $4,500 added events. You know, I had a relationship with my sponsors and and I suggested that they should probably, if they were still interested in being a part of this industry, they should consider looking after uh, Matt Roy. And they kind of went on what I had suggested and asked if I would help them with it, which I did. And the first year I did it for Matt, I I don't think I, I charged him anything. 
And then that's when I realized kind of the work that went into it, you know, getting shirts organized and shafts built and this and that. And the next year I just said to Matt, I said, like, I need to get compensated for this. It's just kind of a lot of work and I don't really have time if I'm doing it for free or this and that. And Matt just said, go ahead. He goes, I can't do it without you. I don't know how to do it. So that's where it started right there. And I had a lot of fun with it. You know, I was working for Wrangler at the time. I was fortunate enough to get a job with Wrangler as soon as I retired from my professional rodeo career. And I had a good relationship with Jeff Chadwick. So it was kind of, okay, well, if Wrangler wants to look after this guy, that's always the guy I want to represent. So, you know, I had, well, obviously Aaron, all the Roy boys at one time. And then it kind of, the, the longest lasting ones obviously were Zane, Aaron, Tanner Gerlitz, Vince Northrup. I helped uh, Chad Best plug, you know, I worked with Chad for quite a few years. Then I moved on to the Wright family probably five, six years ago, six years ago now, I guess it was, when I was running the arena for the Calgary Stampede working with Keith Merrington. I got to be around Cody and meet Cody Wright and his family and watch those boys in the steer riding and then the novice events. And I'm just like, wow, no, bull riders careers don't last that long. These guys got about a 25 year career, all of them. So that's when I started looking after the Wrights and they're the only rodeo athletes I look after now is the rights and I and I still help Aaron and say no but I'm kind of getting away from that a little bit how did the how did the hockey end of it come around that's another kind of fluky story too Brad Devine who started Thunder Creek player management uh, he's a big western lifestyle fan he's got a ranch down by Moose Drop Mortlock Saskatchewan he was in the purebred Angus business for a lot of years and Aaron garnished a lot of attention around here for you know, obvious reasons, as you guys would know. In the news articles, in the paper and whatnot, my name would come up. And one of his partners at the time, Jeff Helpro, was uh, a mutual friend of mine. And Jeff just asked me, and it was right around the time, would it be 2009, when the World Juniors come to Saskatoon. So, you know, I grew up wanting to be a hockey player, play in the NHL. We all, you know, any I think any Western Canadian kid Wacy, you probably had the exact same dreams as, as I did. And and at a point, it was either go try to make the humble Broncos or go to work and pursue this bullfighting gig that I figured I could handle and do. So I chose the latter and to come around full circle and be able to still stay in, you know, in a, a lifestyle, two different lifestyles that I really, really love and, and I'm passionate about is very fortunate. And then, so he, he came to you and then how did you end up getting your first hockey players? Like, how did you end up working with, with Mike Furland and Damon Severson? How did that, how did that come about? Well, we met in December of 2009 or 10. I've drawn a blank here on the year. So I think it was 2009 and I met with all the, the partners at the time and, you know, it was real exciting. You know, they're talking about the players they represented and I started doing the math on, you know, like the revenue side of the business. I and mean, I really didn't take a long, hard look at the, the work that was supposed to, well, not that I didn't take a look long, hard. I just didn't probably understand it like I do today the work that goes into getting these players like there's no guarantees when you're recruiting a Michael Furland at at 17 years old but I do recall going to a Saskatoon Blades game and Brandon Weekings were in town and I Mike got three goals that night as a he was on the fourth line that was the year Kelly McCrimmon and his Brandon Weekings were hosting the Memorial Cup and at the time it didn't occur to me like it does today, but any team that's building for a Memorial Cup that has a guy like Michael Furlan, who was undrafted in the Western, he's a walk-on. They listed him. It doesn't happen very often. Like if you took a look at the PA Raider team 
right now or the Saskatoon Blades that are battling it out here. I don't think there would be one list player. They'd all be drafted players from the from the Bantam League. So, you know, he caught my attention that, that night and he was and he's a hard guy to play against. Heavy, heavy, well, he was a heavy kid. You know, he was probably the same weight back then as he is now. He's just hardened up a lot since then, obviously. But uh, there was a kid in Saskatoon at the time named Duncan Siemens, who was, a, who was, I think he went 11th overall to the Colorado Avalanche that year. And he was, you know, hard-nosed, tough to play against. And after Mike was done with him, he didn't want much to do with Michael Furland. So right there, that was what sparked me to give that kid a call. And I give him a call and, and he didn't have any representation at the time. Nobody knew who Mike, nobody. I remember calling NHL scouts after the Memorial Cup that year. And, you know, nobody was really interested in this kind of overweight kid that played on the fourth line for the Brandon Weekings. And I remember Toronto had interest, Calgary had interest, and I'd have to look back at my notes. So I did have a couple teams. And lo and behold, 2010 was my first draft in Los Angeles. And I was sitting there and Michael's name got called. It was, it was awesome. It was I'll never forget. I'll never forget how it felt and how exciting it was when I got to give him a call and said he got drafted by the Calgary Flames. I interrupted a ball hockey. He was playing ball hockey in a tournament. I, I interrupted him. He's like, okay, I got to go. I got to get back out here. I'm like, okay, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> That's awesome. Were, were you part of bringing Michael to the Blades like in those trade negotiations when they were hosting the Memorial Cup? Well, like in any trade way, see, you you can play a bit of a role, but it's up to the GMs to make the deal. But yeah, that first year when kids at 19 years old, they can, at 20 years old, you can either play in the Western League, you can have three, three 20 year olds on a team, or you can go start your pro career, whether it be in the American Hockey League, East Coast League, or even the NHL at 20 which Damon Severson did, for example. Mike was in Abbotsford and it was a big adjustment. You know, Mike lived at home his whole life. His mom was his billet mom. You're living on your own. The bar is right down the street. You're you're eating out, probably not eating, you know, your diet and your lifestyle probably isn't at a professional level or what your management of your hockey club is hoping it's at. So it's a big adjustment. It really is. I, I compare it to a kid's 16 year old year or his first year in the Western Hockey League. You know, you move away from home, you're not with mom and dad anymore, you're with a new family. It's just an adjustment. So that first year, it didn't go well for Mike. He was, he was overweight. He was not in the shape he should have been. Um, and his coach wasn't playing him. I remember going out to Abbotsford to see him and he was he was not playing and they sent him down just before Christmas to the East Coast League and I didn't want that for Mike at all you know there's some guys down there that we would call lifers or that's just you know they're they're just along for the ride and the paycheck at that level some of them so it wasn't the atmosphere the environment that I wanted Michael in and that's when I made a call a couple calls and uh, I remember Bob Hartley was livid with me he couldn't he just thought we were enabling Mike, and I still to this day think that was the best thing for Michael. It's, I, I really do. I think coming back to Brandon and then Saskatoon was hosting the Memorial Cup that year. His, his good buddy and teammate, uh, Brandon Walker, had already been traded to Saskatoon. And I remember I was, I think I was in Denver the day it happened, which would be around January 10th. And it went right down to the final minute, and Saskatoon acquired him. I know... Somebody out east was wanting him too. I forget which team it would have been, if it was Portland or who it was. But yeah, he ended up right here in Saskatoon, right in our backyard, which was good for for him and I too. We got to spend some more time together and, you know, we've created a a pretty tight bond over the years. Tell us who all you're working with right now, just so we kind of have a background on who you're representing right now or who else you're allowed to talk about, I guess, too. Well, I can talk about them all. I got, well, Michael 
is playing in Carolina. Uh, Damon Severson in New Jersey. Uh, Chandler Stevenson, Washington, won a Stanley Cup last year, playing again with him this year. Colby Cave in Edmonton. Derek Dorsett, unfortunately, would have been finishing up his final year of his contract in Vancouver, but was injured. Jace Howerlick spent over half the year in Florida, so he'll make the step up to, I would say, Jace will be a full-time NHLer here for the next 10 years, starting next season. And then we got a number of young guys that are in the American League, probably have eight or 10 or probably 10 or 12 guys right now that are veterans in the American League. Curtis Lecician's son, I represent Jake. He just, him and his teammate, Nick Henry, who's also a client, they just went to their respected American Hockey League teams, which is common after they're done their playoffs, which Lethbridge got beat out by Calgary there in Game 7. So those boys were literally one after the other the next day on on flights out of Calgary, one to Chicago and and, uh, one to Colorado to join their American League teams. So not an easy business it's a lot like bull riding like there's no you know you gotta go i guess in bull riding you can decide not to go and deal with repercussions hockey there's no second chances you got to go when they want you to go i just was hearing uh today that once camel car has done his time in uh at umass isn't that right yeah. they're in the frozen they're in the final now he's going yeah, to the, in final. the final so after that he's going he's planning they're taking him right up to the avalanche to play against the flames in the in this round here so like a guy like Jake is probably still a ways out. He just make, made his AHL debut, but like how far away is he from, from making it to Vegas now? Jake, well, now you're going to put me on the spot, and I know Curtis is going to be listening to this. So <laughs> I would say Jake Jake would need uh, two, two years in the American Hockey League. He'll play as a 20-year-old next year, and then that's you take it back to your 16-year-old year in the Western Hockey League. It's it's not an easy year. It's going to be an adjustment. You're you're living on your own. You're looking after yourself, and you're playing against men. There there'll be thirty year old men that Jake's playing against at twenty. So I don't think Jake's got development, physics, and physical development left to reach. And you know, and that's with that and learning the pro game and the speed of the game in the next two years. That'll just shape and mold. Jake into, I think, you know, a a very reliable guy for the Las Vegas Golden Knights here in the next two to three years. At what age do you start approaching players? Like, is it their first year Bantam, second year Bantam, like WHL draft time or? No, you know what, Wacey, nowadays, if you got to identify kids that it's crazy to say, but 12 and 13 years old, these kids all have agents that are in, and, and these WHL scouts are getting it right now. Like you take a look at the last four or five years of the first round of kids or especially that top five or six picks like the first five picks those guys are all going on to sign pro contracts so and you kind of know where those guys are going to be when they're 14 years old and 13 years old so you go recruit them you know you go recruit them at 13 or else you're not going to get them so that's the that's the tough part of the business because all the time and effort from 13 to 20 if or when they sign a contract, that's seven years. You know, it's a it's a ridiculous business model when you look at it. But you know, the reward on the on the back end when you when you got unrestricted free agents that fifteen or twenty teams want, it's it's rewarding that way. How cool was it having a guy you represent win the Stanley Cup last year and being able to be part of that experience? I don't even know how to you know, how to explain it. It was it was awesome. It was, and we got to be there. Uh, Twyla and I flew down. We we bought tickets for Game Five. Once we knew there was going to be a Game Five, and you know we had no idea for when they were, if they could win it. And we went. They went in there three games to up three games to one, and and to be right there, it was you know you're so proud of 
your, you know, I don't even want to call them clients. I, I have a different relationship with my players, I think, than, than the bigger agencies do. And I choose that. Like I want, you know, I, I know my players quite well and, and you, you build a bond and a relationship and, and you know, if there's, you know, they phone you and lean on you with stuff that maybe they can't talk to mom and dad or somebody else about. So, you know, you've, you've built that relationship for five or six years. And then again, Wacey, you know what I'm talking about. How many times did you play for the Stanley Cup in the backyard rink or out on the street when you were a kid? Yeah, exactly. We all did. You know, it's it's what we all dreamed of. So that's the closest I'll ever get. I'm standing here right here looking at a picture of Chandler Kiss in the cup that he signed to me and you know, thank you for everything you do, JD. Like that's as close as, and that's that's just perfect for me right there. I'm so proud of him, and uh, you know, he played so well. And it's no different than when the guys Zane or Aaron or you know Chad won the fifty or the hundred thousandth Calgary Stampede. It's the same feeling. Like it's you know, it's it's a sense of accomplishment with your buddies or your clients, however you want to call it. It's it's just a it's an outstanding, unreal feeling. When I was working for Chad Piggin over at his house in Water Valley, one we were talking about Tampa Bay one time and how it was one of the guys, I don't even know who it was now, but he was like, he was going up and down about, that's cowboy shit, that was the coolest thing, like this guy, I don't know what happened now even, but Chad was talking about cowboy shit in the NHL, and there's total, they totally do cowboy shit there as well, I think, but I like one of the things we asked everybody is what their definition of cowboy shit is, so I want to kind of correlate the two a little bit, hockey, rodeo, bull riding, western sports and cowboy shit okay so you're saying i get two cracks at the cowboy shit one on but with one with wearing each hat is that what you're telling me ted yeah that that sounds good to me (laughs) well i think cowboy shit has definitely evolved over the years the cowboy shit that we got away with back in the day you probably can't get away with today which is a good thing (laughs) i might add but on the hockey side i'd have to you know Probably Michael Furland's two, 2015 Stanley Cup playoff for the Calgary Flames, which, you know, was well documented. And I got it right from Derek Dorsett, who was, who was a, the guy lined up in the blue jersey on the other side. You know, we had no answer for Michael Furland. He single-handedly tipped the series in Calgary's favor. So I'd have to probably go with him on that side or another well-documented incident, and that's Lane Matichuk. Uh, one of the survivors of the Humboldt Broncos, what he's overcome and where he is from just over a year ago. To, that's certainly cowboy shit and cowboy try for me. On the rodeo bull riding side, geez, Ted, you know, I knew you were going to ask me this, Ted. <laughs> we ask everyone. I knew you were going to ask me this, and I and I was going to try to be prepared for it. And I, you know what, I'd have to go with with the Wright family. I really enjoy working with the Wright family. And you want to talk about cowboys. I think not only are they superior bronc riders and bull riders, they're, they're, they live the life every day. I got a book here oh, a year and a bit ago. John Branch, he's a Pulitzer Prize winning author. And he also wrote the book Boy on Ice about Derek Bugard. And I highly recommend, Wacey, you give it a read as a hockey fan. It's an excellent story. But in the prologue of that book, right off the bat, Cody is a five-year-old out with his dad riding. And they're crossing a river at, at, at dark. The, the river took Cody. It's not even funny. I shouldn't be chuckling. I can laugh about it now because Cody might chuckle a little bit about it. But he got swept away on his horse in the river and separated from Bill. And, you know, Bill had always preached to those kids, you know, cling to your horse, stay with your horse, stay with your horse. And they got to the other side or Bill got to the other side and he rode down the bank a ways. And it was by this time, it was black, pitch black out and finally found Cody on the, 
on the side of the bank and he picked him up at five years old, wrapped him up. He had an old blanket in the truck. And when he walked in the door, he told uh, his wife, Evelyn, he said, I about lost your boy in the river tonight. And that was it. That was how the prologue ended. So the rest of the book is full of some serious cowboy shit. Dang. I want to hear your takes on the Stanley Cup playoffs. Who are your picks and who should we be watching for? This year's Stanley Cup playoffs. Well, two months ago, I would have told you it was going to be an app, a repeat of last year, Washington versus Las Vegas. And I still think Washington comes out of the East, but that back then, St. Louis Blues were not the St. Louis Blues you're watching today. Um, they've been the best team in hockey since since Christmas break. You know, I think they're firing. They're firing on all on all six cylinders. I'd, I'd love to see a Canadian team do it. And I think your hometown is the team that can do it, if if anybody can, out of Canada. I think uh, Brad Tree Living's done a really good job in the offseason with that group. So Mike Smith's right where you need him to be. Oh, baby. I thought he was stellar last night. You know, you got a third defenseman out there with that guy playing the puck the way he does. I, I think hockey fans are in for a tremendous playoff. I really do. I think this year is going to be better than last year. So. Even with, just with the parody in the league is amazing. Like how, like even like with Columbus beating Tampa Bay, it's going to be fun to watch. Yep. Anybody, I, I really believe there's some, you know, and I'm not going to say who I don't think can win, but, you know, really there is on any given night, you know, you're playing, you got some of the best players in the league. Look at, I think Toronto, Boston was an upset the other night. I, uh, I, I thought Boston would win that, especially at home. And, didn't work out in their favor. So that'll so be good hockey waste. I'm going to say that. Yeah, I'll go with what I said. We'll, uh, we'll what do you guys it. think? Let's hear what you guys said. Wacey, I want to challenge you here on this one. What do I, you think? I like the way the flames are built. Just not being a Homer fan, but just like how deep they are up front. And they have like, they have, they have a full set of extra defensemen in there as their black aces that are all NHL NHLers. So they have definitely got the depth. And if we get the Mike Smith that we had last night for the rest of the playoffs, they're going to be tough to beat. I also yeah. really like the blues because of Bennington that save he made against on Shifley at the end of the game. Game one yep. there was unbelievable. And I yep. think that the stars are going to do some damage too. If Ben Bishop is healthy and plays well, they're going to be tough. They're going to be a tough out. Because Heiskanen and Klingberg are going to be. You can't yeah, pick the you, West. You talk out of like, so you, you're, you're with me. You're talking about teams that are peaking at the right time. Yeah, exactly. And this is yeah. the time you want to be playing your best hockey. And you know who I don't think gets enough love for the role he plays on Calgary is Matthew Kachuk. Oh, it's insane what he does. Like he just, yeah, he draws it. penalties and, and you know what, Gio, Gio should be with the Norris winner this year, in my opinion. Um, I think he's had a stellar year, so it'll be good watching. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thanks, Jason. We appreciate you doing this. And uh, You got her, man. No, anytime, Teddy. Awesome. Yeah, thanks, JD. You're listening to Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy, brought to you by Everything Cowboy. Thanks to Jason for being on the show. Appreciate taking the time to be on here and talking about kind of like yeah, everything. Topics. Yeah. That was, he does it. He's a lot of fun. That was really cool. I really Good enjoyed it. Good show. Big, that was awesome. Wacy, big hockey fan. Big hockey really like yeah. that one. So we are in, it's already late April. The Bachelor was February, February yeah. right? Like, Valentine's Day. It's been over two months since the Bachelor episode. So you people are, t- are wondering what is, yeah, what is going everybody's on. Everybody's wondering what happened, what's going on. So we basically... Brought a special guest. Got a special guest. He's on the line right now. Can you hear me? Hey, Dustin Edwards. He's actually... He's he the actual... The, he, he's the Bachelor. He is the Bachelor. He actually ended up being the Bachelor. He he won because he basically came in... This is Dustin Edwards, by the way. Came in to co-host. Came in to co-host. Basically hijacked a, the show. Yeah, hijacked the whole show. And then he got a date out of it. And now... 
He's the one. He's no longer looking for love. Turns out he gave out the first impression. He stole the first impression cactus. <laughs> I stole the first impression cactus and uh, put a different colored box around it and re-gifted it. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you what, that was, it was a huge move. Huge move. So, like, can you just touch on, like, the journey, like, from that day to where you are now and how that all transpired? Like, the people, people, I get people ask me all the time and I tell them my, what happened with me, which is... <laughs> It's just part of the journey. Yeah. Well, I thought I was being subtle uh, when I signed up to co-host and I, you know, I jumped on the episode, added a few comments, but I feel that there was a lot of people that thought I was up to more than just being a co-host. We all, everybody at the table knew you were up to more. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone thought I was, uh, you know, I had, I had my own intentions and turns out they were a hundred percent accurate. You know, I watched Wacy make the first impression cactus, and then I watched him, you know, make a the rose ceremony. Completely went to a whole other girl, and I thought, how can I utilize Wacy's <laughs> mistake? Missed opportunity. This is like a this is like something. It's like something from Wedding Crashers that's happening right now, like one of their yeah. plays. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was uh, quite a journey. Um, again, missed opportunity. And I'm one of those guys, you know. I just look for picture a, a seagull at McDonald's when you. <laughs> When you drop a fry in the parking lot, and they're just up perched up on like a on a post, just waiting to get the fry. And that I, reference does certainly fit with Lacey, who uh, is certainly McDonald's. Uh, McDonald's no. lover. You're the you're the seagull, and first impression cactus is the fry. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And, and I thought, oh, this man. is my chance. So fast forward, um, approximately 24 hours after the Bachelor podcast, and I was quickly sending out the DM. <laughs> to every... Uh, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> I actually sent a DM out to pretty much every single all, person. All, so Dustin sent out a, a batch... Uh, a DM slide to every contestant that was on The Bachelor. <laughs> really? You <laughs> slid to every girl yeah. DM. I think I, I, think I even sent one to Preston. <laughs> <laughs> he was already friends with Keenan, so... Yeah. Uh, hey, want to be friends? <laughs> There's a lot like of traction on The Bachelor, I think. I think people thought that I was, you know, playing some character that I'm not, you know, just <laughs> they're wrong, to, you know, hijack it. And they thought, oh, you know, that was nice of you playing this role. And I was truly like, I was, I was your running. Inten- your intentions of- were naughty. <laughs> <laughs> you actually were trying to sideswipe everything. 100%. <laughs> Dang. So and, I mean, I've been around wasting. I knew what was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, well, everybody knows what my love life life is like. So. Oh man, what an easy segue to me to message any contestant by saying, "Hey, like, thought you were great on the on the podcast." And, and then just you just talk about my love resume. So I was looking back on Wacy's resume and his I'm love thinking, resume, and I'm thinking, thinking it's not going to work. Anyways, this is not so we might as well looking at the, the looking at the current trends and past stats. This is probably not going to work out. So why don't we just do this thing? Yeah, I ended up uh, going on a date. Mm-hmm. Tell us more. Did you go on a date with someone in the audience too? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to dive. I don't want to dive into this. <laughs> the me. Makings of this final, <laughs> final result. Let's just say, let's just say, I was um, putting myself out okay. there. No, the real question is, I want the real. The real question is, of all the women that were at the house that day, how many dates have you been on with each of them in the past <laughs> yeah. mu- two months? <laughs> two months. How, how many? Okay, there was two. <laughs> and me and Keenan went on a bro date, so there could be three. Oh wow! <laughs> and then we all went on a hockey date. Oh man! I literally went on a date oh with every gosh. single person that was in that house at some point. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All oh, right, man. 
That's awesome. But, uh, but no, things have been good. I, I, I got, I just really want to thank the, the whole entire production team at the bachelor for putting it all together, enabling me to come there and hijack. And, <laughs> and ultimately now it's led me to this, um, nice little courting period I've been on. I've been on a couple of nice little What are, how's that? How's that shaping up? Like what can we expect to see in the next two to three weeks? Between? Or here. We're going to call you for updates yeah. like, all the way till the wedding. So. Ooh, I'm going to get ordained so I can officiate your wedding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you this much. Things are going good. Things are going really good. Got are, a you get, are you going to uh, get Nickelback to play the wedding? <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a very good chance Nickelback. Is <laughs> there's, there's been a lot of photographs in the cars. I've been driving around lately doing fist pumps. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. But, uh, no, we got a date to the... Uh, the bull riding in tow field Saturday night. So, uh, oh, it'd be our first public outing. Uh, wow, episode. Oh, shoot, dear. man. Oh, dear. As seen in public, I'm gonna need to get the someone the EC wow. Instagram story so they can track wow. you. It's like we're like TMZ. Yeah, we're gonna have to do this. Okay. There's a lot of paparazzi that'll be following. Who's Dustin it, Edwards? So. Hot new fling. That's what the yeah. that's what the article is gonna read. Yeah. Well, thanks for the update, Dustin. Too bad Wacy doesn't have any more bachelor updates, but I'm hot flying my own. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna do another bachelor show someday with the. Uh, it's gonna have to be. Might just turn into cab this into cowboy shit. The bachelor. Maybe we'll just do yeah. one every week. Well, that, the way my love life's been going, I'm gonna need one every week. Boys, that episode was a heater. So it was, it was, that's it the was. way to go. It was. Okay, we will catch up with you again soon, Dustin. Thanks for this, and thanks to Jason for being on the show this week. We will catch up with you guys again, episode thirty-eight. It's my birthday episode. Birthday. Yeah. So it's thanks. my birthday. I can cry if I want to, but I won't. Okay, bye. <laughs> this was episode 37 of Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy. 